Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. Living the life, Richard? Man, living the dream. Living 300-year-old dreams. <laughs> I'm living it all, yes. Yes, it's an exciting time. It is a time of high technology and people with distendable, bisectable jaws and... If you couldn't tell, we're going to do a movie review about Prey, the prequel, the prequel sequel. Yes, to a, let's call it a franchise that has a lot of things in it, and not that those things are good, but uh, the first one was is, great. is kind of like a all-time classic in yeah. a certain sense. So and The second one was pretty good, too. It just kind of started to go just down. Yeah, it faded a bit at the a end. A little bit, but... All right, so, yeah, Prey, we were kind of chomping at the bit for this one, released on Hulu, so you don't even have to go to the movie theater to see it. Just like normal, we are going to start with kind of a a spoiler-free general recommendation, whether this is something, were you to be able to see it in the movie theater, should you go out to see it? While it's on streaming now, should you catch it immediately? Should you wait for a little while? Um you know, that sort of a thing, or should you just ignore it completely? And then through a, an extremely scientific and arbitrary <laughs> system, we will break it down into subcategories of uh, director, cast, costuming and props, location, musical score, cinematography, plot and writing, and bonus points to add up to a total that could potentially be 100 points. And then we grade it yeah. based on those points, almost like we're in high school. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a fun, it's a fun just roller coaster ride uh, of joy and nitpickiness. Um, but let's let's get straight into it. Now we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, and we both had a kind of a similar feel on it uh, that it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yes. Now here's my instant take on it. Uh, I there there was advertising for this but not a lot it was subtle uh, since it's a direct to streaming uh, movie I guess it's up to in this case Hulu to put that information out onto other platforms uh, other you know whether it's IMDB or like whatever it is and I saw bits and pieces of it and the honestly one of the only reasons I even knew about it is I have this habit of is there something fun to watch out there? And I just kind of meander through the different apps. I hit the Hulu app because there's not much on there that I watch. It popped up with that trailer, and I was like, well, this is interesting. So I, I did. I was pretty excited when the date came for this to to come out. Uh, now, it's on Hulu. It's technically a Fox property. Right. Uh, so in theory, it could have been on Disney+, Plus, although it's not a Disney Plus type of you know, it's not a thing that you'd normally push to Disney Plus, but no. it's all the same. It's actually all the same company. We just they just separated a little bit. Yeah. So so basically, I think it is good enough if you're an action film, just generally a sci-fi specific action film kind of a person, uh, worth a watch. If you're a fan of the franchise, definitely worth a watch. Um, it it's just it's if you're looking for a nice solid film right now. It's it's worth it. Uh, of note, I personally, and I think you do as well, we have the 
Disney Plus bundle. Indeed. So that includes Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. So as part of that bundle, we were able to watch this movie. Uh, one, it was in 4K, and two, there were no commercials on it. So that's an like if you want to watch things, I think that's an added little bonus too. Definitely. Anytime I can get through something without commercials is just fantastic. Um, well, let's just kind of go into the more spoilery section of it uh, for a couple of fans of the original films. Um, and we'll, we'll go where we often go first. We will talk about the, the director just a little bit. Now, Dan Trachtenberg is the director. He's also the writer of the, of the screenplay for this, or the story, I should say. Um, so clearly, this, this guy has some investment into this project. Uh, even more than some people that are just a director of a project would. And if you look at what he has been involved with in the past, uh, not a lot. Not a lot. Um, but those few things that he has been involved in are some of the more popular uh, adult-themed that's not I'm not talking about, you know. Yeah, no. Naked people. I'm just talking about like action or the, maybe they're, some They're not kids shows. Yeah, gore or bad words or whatever. So he's been involved in a few of those types of projects. Yeah. So um the one thing that he's going to be rumored to be involved with that's going to be coming out is the adaptation of the video game Portal. Um that's Potentially quite interesting. Um, Never played that game. No. I know about the game. I know how it works. I have played the game. I love love that game. It's uh, not one that has a lot of replay value. <laughs> but well, it was in the like I had an Xbox, and it was on the I think the original or maybe the 360 as like a you you got it in a conjunction with three other games and the game like the the three games that you four games that you got were really solid popular games but i just never pulled the trigger even at 20 bucks just never did it yeah so that means to me blank slate uh going into this so no excitement but no dread either about his involvement it's all about did the project seem cohesive did uh there seem to be a, a strong understanding between everybody involved that everybody worked together pretty well did the vision hold to what the the script was intended for all that sort of stuff and i gotta say yeah yeah i i think a lot of times when you see a big budgeted thing and it's got a good cast and good director and money and cgi and all those sometimes there's just spots that just don't make sense or you need the movie to be two hours so there's you know 20 minutes of nonsense that you're just kind of filling in the gaps or there's too much of this or there's not enough of this but i feel like in this one it was exactly what it needed to be yeah the uh the pacing was consistent there weren't a lot of lulls which is important for an action film um everything was it was like a well-oiled machine everything was right where it, it should have been and that's that's uh speaks well to the director and the writer um so i don't think there has to be a lot said about that past that since he's still kind of new 
Uh, but for me, that's a 12 out of 15. And I tend to, I've said this in passing some of the other reviews too, if you are going to be a writer or the main writer on a project and you're going to be the director, I'm going to tie in writing credits to the director slot in those scenarios. Right. And yeah, this was really good. Uh, I just kind of stuck with the same. Our scores are going to be very similar. Uh, I did a 12 out of 15 as well. Yeah. Now the casting, that's interesting. I mean, we've got some we've got some people that have been in some things, but a lot of the people that were in this film were just newbies. Yeah, and to uh, let, let's go let's go a different direction in a certain sense. One of the movies that we review or types of movies we review all the time are superhero things, right? Right. And what Marvel's been really successful at doing is one finding directors that have not a lot of background history, uh, but appear to have a grasp on the material and the concepts and are kind of able to do what they want to do in a certain sense. And then to a lesser degree, you've had that with some of the cast as well. Mm -hmm. Some of them are real big names and whatever, but some of the other ones that are playing important roles, you know, this is kind of their chance to to do well. Yeah. And I think we see this in this too. Yeah. It helps with the budget a lot though. The um the the key individual that's going to make this project work or not work is of course going to be Amber Midthunder. Um now I have been a fan of hers for a little while because I was probably one of the 12 people that watched uh, the show Legion <laughs> when it was on TV. Um, I still hadn't finished it. I've gone through the first two seasons. I still need to finish the third season, but I've been so busy. And I know if I start it without, uh, my wife, she might get upset with me. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there was enough people that watched it that they decided to make three seasons right. worth of it. Right. So I did, well, it's one of those things where I say Legion and then nobody I talk to has ever seen it. It's like, come on, it's Legion. Legion is like one of my favorite characters. So I was really invested in that show being successful. And man, it was out there. And a lot of what made it work was the, the cast. And she was just, as, as Carrie was really really good um and i'm not going to go into that that show and what what that means but yeah i i enjoyed she she showed some some good form and the combat because she had a lot of combat in that show um but that's not the only film that she's had that kind of experience with and we discussed this briefly before we started actually recording um in terms of how this movie looks, and she's obviously the main character that's in this, and, and how this story is presented is that, you know, it's more of the plot point to discuss later on, but she's not expected to be the one in this group, in this family, to be the hunter or the the person who is out there using weapons and training, but top secretly she's doing it. But she in this movie, there's not a lot of, strange camera angles to try to hide things. She's good. Like she's yeah. got ability, natural ability outside of the movies. Then it translates well to this movie. Yeah, absolutely. She's, um, yeah, she, she's just got, she's got the right look. She kind of reminds me just a little bit 
I don't know if uh, were you ever uh, a fan of? Um, did you watch um, Firefly? Um, yes, I wasn't. So either I feel like in that one you're all in and it's the most favorite thing and you watch it, you watch, you watch it, or you are a casual observer or you completely ignore the heck out of it. You know, sometimes you can watch a season and be like, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. It's either that you, you watched the first episode or two and that was it. Or you just like watch every episode 70 times. So she kind of reminds me a little bit of Summer Glau, who was in that show and was also in the Terminator. Terminator one. Yeah, exactly. Has that kind of presence, has that kind of skill. Uh, So it's, yeah. I mean that as as a, a, a compliment. The... What was the what was the movie for Firefly? Uh, Serenity. Serenity. Okay, mm-hmm. I so I saw that before I saw any of the Firefly stuff. It's not a good idea. Yeah, that seems wrong on so many levels. But I worked. At, that was when I worked in the movie theater, and everybody's like, "Oh, you got to see this movie." And, and then I, you, you watch it and go, "Yeah, who, eh. who are these people?" Like, I trust me, I like a lot of the actors and actresses in that series and in that in that. Uh, movie and i i already knew who summer glow was because i watched the terminator show right i had no idea she was in that one and that's kind of where she was maybe more famous for him right but i like i said i feel that amber has that kind of charisma and that kind of presence and 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 that sort of thing so yeah so she's been in a bunch of stuff and it was up to her to kind of embody this and yeah she definitely did it um the other major role uh, in this film, not counting the the physical, you know, work that the the onset people being Predator had to do, but uh, you know the the other major acting presence was Dakota Beavers. Um, Dakota Beavers has been in basically nothing. Correct. Th- this legitimately, this is it. Yeah, and I thought he did great. I mean, for for a first film in a prominent role like that. Yeah, and, and and how his character had to be delivered is that he had to be two people in a certain sense. Yeah, he had to be the young, like fiery leader of a sense of his pack of age group and hunters, but he also had to be the the sister, and he had to be the leader of his family as well. And that's kind of two sides to be presented in this particular film. And I thought he did great. Yeah, and he's got a great look to him. He he presented well on film. I was I was pretty impressed by by his performance. Um, uh, Dane uh, de Ligero, Deligro, de, 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 de We're gonna go with that. Dili Deligro. Deligro. Let's go with the, yeah. Uh, and the first time I was right. Um, he did the actual physical kind of predator presence and I think embodied that pretty well. He's been in a few other things in similar ways. He was a stand-in for free in guy. Free guy. Okay. <laughs> I saw that. That's hilarious. Well, just, just look at the, look at the names of his characters that he's been in and you kind of get an idea of his size and body type. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a big guy. Um, but uh, so yeah, so he he embodied that pretty well. Um, you may not 
immediately recognize her, but Michelle Thrush as the mother, mm-hmm. uh, she has been in a ton of stuff uh, since uh, probably the 90s, uh, 84 even. Uh, so she's she's been in a lot of television shows, a lot of um, a lot of films, and s- mostly smaller roles. But it's one of those things where I saw it's like, man, I know her. Where do I know her from? It's like, oh, well, I've seen her in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, she definitely has a familiar face. But uh, she did well. She needed to be present and visible and strong, but in the background. Yeah, not overbearing. No. And yeah, perfect. Yeah, 100% the way it needed to be. Um, And then I find it funny, uh, Julian Black Antelope has also been in the industry for just a long, long time, kind of like the tribal leader. He has like no real lines, no real scenes, but it's like, so you get this guy that's actually got some some real experience. It's like, yeah, we're going to have you hold the staff in two scenes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we need your presence. We need your leadership. Just don't say any words. <laughs> uh, but still, you know, he definitely had the right uh, the right uh, feel, the the gravitas. Bennett Taylor, the the linguist, uh, also stood out to me, um, and he he did a really good job in the the little bits that he got. I mean, he, he didn't have a big role, but he was in a couple of scenes and did well with that. It's another guy. I go, man, I know this guy. From somewhere, where do I know him from? Well, he was in Supernatural in one episode. It's like, yeah, actually, that's pretty much where I know him from. That, and he was in Arrow, uh, but I don't think I really recognized him from Arrow. I think I recognized him from Supernatural because <laughs> of a, uh, yeah, obsession with that. Thing. Yeah, I know that show pretty well, and as soon as I see somebody's face in that, it is tied to it for for me forever. But he he did great. So. My thought process on the French, right? Yes. Uh, of the whole movie in general, they were the worst thing. Kind of. And they were meant to be like gross humans, and invaders of a certain sense and blah, blah, blah. But I've, I thought for the most part, all of their acting was overacting. You know what? Like it was. We must talk about our French. Yes, <laughs> and the presentation, and it was just the movie was going along so well. She got trapped. Uh oh. You know, like I see where this is going, and then it's like ha ha ha. You know, like <laughs> just I'm going to pull the feathers out of the feather dust. Just like oh, come on, this was going so well, and then their scenes kind of they're they're close. In terms of talking to her, talking to each other, they kind of went away. And like, great, thank you, thank you. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite kind of bit of slight overacting was, you know, when they're luring the predator out by tying them to the post, and you know they're lying in wait, and we've got distance, we've got the spyglass, and four noisy horses behind us. There's no way this technological predator thing that's a massive beast will ever notice that in a basically barren flat landscape. No. But, you know, so after he slaughtered those four dudes and the guy with the telescope rolls over, I almost yelled, Sacre bleu. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's basically what it was. It's like, man. And I go, wait, Ryan Reynolds? 
<laughs> well, the one dude was in Fall Guy, so they would have had a little bit of a connection. Well, but it was Troy Mundell. Uh, <laughs> I looked it up. It's like I was not the only person that went, Ryan Reynolds? No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was this dude. But uh, so still, I thought that was rather amusing. Um, but yeah, I agree. The, the, the French did not feel intimidating. And when you look at the kind of the main bad guy Frenchman played by Mike Patterson, yeah, not intimidating. I don't care how many layers you put this dude in. He just like, ah, I have a beer with him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he was, okay, now this is, I, I'm doing bad. He was the worst of the bunch too. Kind of, yeah. It was just like way over the top. Now, understand, when we say worst, that doesn't necessarily mean real, real, real bad. It just means in comparison to everything else. Because the rest of the cast was so solid, any weak point's going to stand out. Right. That's kind of what I'm getting to in this particular character. Yeah. So, I mean... You're supposed to not like him. It's like, yeah, but the reason I don't like him isn't because he's cruel and evil. It's just like he's just annoying. Just get him off the screen. Yes. And so that that's not what you're going for. When I when my cast score was 17 out of 20, the other three points that I took off were for this group of people. <laughs> kind of similar for me. Mine went with a 16 out of 20 for the cast. But not like I said, that's in a lot of ways saying something because you got a couple of big names. And then a lot of people that aren't. And that's that's pretty amazing. Correct. And once again, I'll go back to it. Budget. So if, you, if you're going to make this movie and it's not going to be in a theater, it's going to be a streamer thing, you're not going to have a very good budget. And the cast and the director are going to take up a huge chunk of your budget. Yes. And it didn't have to in this one. Right. So, you know, not, not too shabby scores on that. Um, let's move on to our new category. Ooh. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the musical presence of the film. Now, if you look this up on IMDb and you pull up soundtracks, what you will find is nothing. Uh, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> There's no major songs you're going to recognize in this film. It's all when it has music. And it doesn't have a ton. Tone. It's just tone. And in in what well, we we've only been doing the score for a little bit. Right. When we talked about Snake Eyes, we gave the score on that one. I think we both gave it a five. Right. Uh, it was there, and you noticed it. But sometimes it was just like it was kind of cheesy. Yeah, it was a little off. And this was better. Right. And it was better at setting the tone. But once again. Nothing that was like the music kicked in and I got this rush of adrenaline because I was new. No, it just set the tone properly. And I felt there were a couple of spots I go, oh, you know, I know they're probably doing this on purpose. They don't want to have modern music as part of it for multiple reasons. They don't want to have to pay the royalties involved in, in having access to some of those songs. But it also might not seem quite right. Um, and, you know, I liked the the, the tribal um, music. I'm getting a little bit of that. Anytime I get to, to to hear a little bit of culture that I'm not familiar with, that's that's a nice thing. But in terms of like the orchestral movements, there are instances where I go, I would like something here 
to be a little grittier, to be a little more. I mean, this is this is combat, man. I want to I want to have some punch, and there's just no punch in the music. It just felt like it was missing something in some places. Yeah, I. This wasn't this wasn't the same as Snake Eyes. No, right. This was better than Snake Eyes. Yes, and this was acceptable. Yes, but it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, that's the best way to put it, and not great by any stretch of the imagination for me. Is a six, and I did just just a hair better because I liked it just a hair better. So I did seven. Yeah. Um. Now you know what I like more than anything, Richard. Um, Doctor Pepper. Well, I do like that quite a bit. But I like people getting utility out of what we do, uh, not just with our movie reviews or our top 10 lists or interviews, but what we have available to them. We often talk about, hey, we're going to talk about social media. We're not going to talk about social media today. I want to remind people we have a website. If you've only ever heard us on Spotify or on Google or on Apple Podcasts, you're potentially missing a small but important piece of what we can offer you. If you go to our website, everybodylovespudding.com, we have a list of all of our movies that we have reviewed and the scores we have given them with direct links to the podcast themselves. But more importantly, we have a list of every guest that we've ever had on the show with direct links to what they are all about as well as their episodes. We have a basically a kill count for television shows and movies. Have you ever wondered how many people died on screen in a particular film or television series? We have a lot of them on there. Like Supernatural, for example. Exactly. That's a lot of kills. Uh, But even more interesting to me is we have the Ultimate Comic Movie Database, a tool that is every film uh, ever based on a comic strip or a comic book and cross-referenced, and you can look up all sorts of interesting information there. Take advantage of it. We do this because we love it, and we want you to be able to have access to some nerdy info. Uh, Yeah. Also, if you're listening to our podcast and we mentioned a previous podcast that we did. It's easy to go back and kind of reference. I mean, there's so many seasons that we've done. Mm-hmm. They're all on the website. You can you can track each of those individual ones down and play them right from the website if you wanted to. Absolutely. Well, let's get back to it. Back into the heart of the matter. Um, What's next? What's next? Let's go to the locations. Let's talk about where they did this. So this is in the 1700s is where they're basing this. So it's going to be a lot of wilderness. And so we basically get uh, the only places in the film. We get uh, home base for the tribe. We get the camp for the French people. We get a couple of forest areas and some waterways and some burnt down trees. That's about it. Now, in some bright spots, when she goes out on her journey, Mm -hmm. and it's her walking along, and she's got her dog, and and the music's playing, and the camera kind of sweeps and pans around, there's some really good-looking footage, right? So we're talking wide landscapes of trees and hills and smaller peaks and streams, and so... What we are given is pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, now, if we reference the first 
Predator movie. We had an office with the ultimate hand slap muscle right. show, and then it goes to where the bad guys are at, and then it's jungle, right? Yep. Yep. And then we show camera with some faraway stuff and like bigger jungle areas. So it's kind of the same thing. But when they were doing the fighting stuff, you could tell it was a lot. You mm-hmm. could tell it was a set, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and we discussed this a little bit. We, you could see that with this movie too. Yes. Um, not in a not in a bad way, but you could tell in certain things that you're watching. Like, oh, they just can. This is a back lot somewhere. The other thing that occurs to me is like this is like the millionth Predator film. Not really, but we've had a lot of them. And we get to see the outside of the ship very briefly twice and none of the interior. And that's it. So this high-tech alien, we get to see nothing. Now, I understand that's done for a reason. It's, 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 um, it's a, a tone that they're setting. But still, it's like, come on, it's it's the Predators. If you have never seen a Predator film before, I just, just try and put my, myself in that mindset, and you're going to watch Prey, because it's going to happen. It's called Prey. It's not called Predator. People are going to watch this with no idea what the source material is coming from. And I'm watching this this alien, and he's taking trophies. Taking them where? Doing what with them? Why? You don't get any context. And there's context for story, but there's also visual context. And it's just not there. Well, part of it I'll go back to budget. Yes. Um, does Now, if this was a three-hour movie, hmm. would that make more sense? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's see. Well, how does he get up to that ship? Right? We... We assume he just gets. Well, they just drop him off. Oh, have yeah. fun on Earth. We'll come back for you in uh, a few clicks. Yeah. So, the, one of the early sequences is you hear a thud, right? Like and crashing. Was that him landing? We we think so. Yeah. So that's how you get down. How do you get back up? Do they do they actually land? They hop in and are off to the races. I, I, that's that's an interesting subplot in a certain sense. Yeah. But in terms of this plot... Not super important. Not super important. But yeah, that's basically... If that's my only real problem, other than the fact that you could tell it was, you know, lots in a couple of places, that's not bad. That's pretty solid, really. Yeah. Especially for a a streamer movie. And, you know, Netflix has a lot of money. And they throw a lot of money at movies. And there's a lot of bad movies that cost a lot of money. Yes. And this is just a completely refreshing different direction in terms of where the money was spent. I'm going to go 8 out of 10. I do believe I have the same thing, too. The location, 8 out of 10. And tied to the location with all that production value has to go into the costuming and the props. uh, uh, You know, making sure that that what you see kind of matches... The tone matches the time frame. This is semi-historical. Uh, plus, there's a giant alien. But not only is there a giant alien, does it track back to the way that the predators have been portrayed in the past? Is there that link? All that sort of stuff. So, I mean, basically, we have 
in terms of costuming three elements. Did the Comanche look good? Did the Frenchman look good? Did the Predator look good? And were their props solid? Yes. Yeah. Now, I'm no historian. Um, I would wager to say that there's more people with knowledge and who are alive today that would have information on what the French would look like right. than what the Comanche would look like. But I'd be really curious to just see one of those, you know, you can watch interviews of like, we talked to somebody who watched this and what did they think? I'd like to see someone who was more of an expert on the life and livelihood of people in that time frame. Fur, fur traders. Yeah, and, and what did they think of the lifestyle, the presentation, the what they wore, what they ate, those types of things. Right. So from a completely uh, ignorant standpoint on both of those sets of clothing, look good to me. Um, in terms of weaponry, the the Comanche's weapons looked good. The, 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 the hatchet, while I'll get to what I don't like about the hatchet later, uh, as far as what it looked like, fantastic. Really looked good. Um, the 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 Frenchman's muskets, yeah, they look solid. Um, the the weaponry from the alien, I really like the shield. I really like that shield. That was a nice addition, and you saw in the movie that it was a multi-purpose shield too. Oh, yeah. So it was for defense and for offense. Uh, but it it made sense. It had a a good look to it as well, and y- you know when you talk about the predator in general in all these other movies there's multiple ways that the predator kills things right whether it's his wrist mounted giganto blades like some of them in some movies they're like 10 feet long and it's just a little absurd yeah this one was more muted uh he had a spear right he had like a like a sword item he had multi-bombs yes Things that wiped out entire acre acreage. Yeah. Um, a magnet was it was it magnet? You mean like for the, 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 the bolts? shooting bolts? I don't think so. I think it's um, like like a smart bullet, basically. So since it was the the mask, the, the tracker that yeah. that hey go here, it basically gave it the equivalent of a GPS location, and it shot, and it's eventually going to hit there. So it's like a smart bullet is the way I took it. But if he didn't have his mask on, what made him think he could still? And okay, that's, well, that's a plot point. Okay. Well, well, we'll get there. But you know, it's eventually going to go there. But it's going to start shooting out straight really fast. So if you're within a certain range, I'm still going to hit you. Yeah, but how was it being propelled? It looked like it, it's it, pneumatic. It, well, it looked like it was. <laughs> his his wrist had a flat area on it, and suddenly that one one at a time popped up and was just floating on that little area. And almost just like it got launched, you never saw propellant. It was just like <laughs> his maglevs. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> anti gravity bolt thingy. I didn't have a problem with it. It looked fine. Um, the predator looked looked pretty good. Eh. Without armor, we're used to seeing armor, crazy helmet. No, I'm, I'm talking about without armor too, because that was actually one of the few things I didn't like. He looked actually significantly different 
without his armor than the other predators did. Well, the head. Yes. The head for sure. And the I guess I don't know if this is a cinematography thing or not. His um his form where he was camouflaged. The CGI was so so that so that cinematography on yeah. that one. But the design, the actual design of it, I didn't have problems with the design of the 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 camouflage. I had some more problems with the design of his head uh, because it did look so different. I, I mean, I get you want to make it your own and you want to kind of do things, but okay, do it. But if you're going to do it, you have to explain it. You have to explain it. Otherwise it makes no sense, stands out like a sore thumb and it just, it drives me up a wall. We were talking about this before you create the rules of your universe, but you have to follow your own rules. This kind of falls into that realm. If you're going to say, hey, my predator looks different. Great. Why? He came from the uh, subtropical region of his home planet. You know, whatever. Uh, the, the, I also didn't like the mask. My mask looks like bone. Okay. In terms of tone for this film, yes, that makes sense. But Why? Why? That didn't make any sense. Maybe he hadn't earned any of his proper armor yet. That'd be a great reason. Although it's still locked onto his face. Right. So why does his look like that when no other predator's mask has ever looked like that? It just that's um yeah, that, that bothered me a little bit. Not a lot, because again, it still fit the tone correct quite nicely. But it uh, that that's just like a needle under the skin for me. So for me, that means an eight out of ten on costuming and props. Uh, I believe I did the same thing, eight out of ten. And it it it's almost like did the costumes look too good, or were they too clean and neatly tailored? Not always. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes they were covered in mud and or blood and mud and blood. But um, even one time when she had her bow and she shot it, but it came un undone and she had to fix it. Like that looked that looked plausible. Did you did did you get that from Dix? <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. Uh, so you know, I I don't know. I thought they looked I thought they looked pretty good for that. All right, so now's where we start to get into the real nitty-gritty. We get into what I feel is the second most important category in the film, and that's the cinematography. How did they shoot it? How did it look? Were the tracking shots good? Were the establishing shots present but not overwhelming or overbearing? Uh, was the CGI solid? Um, did they track the action well? Was the lighting sufficient where you could follow things when it was at night? All those things go into cinematography for me. Um, how do you think that uh, they did? Well, in l let's look at the what everybody kind of wants to pay attention to in this, which is it's an action movie. There was fighting sequences. Yes, there was. And I think for most of the fighting sequences, they weren't, a, a lot of them, even in Marvel movies, they're designed to disguise the limitations of the actors and actresses that you're seeing in front of you. But this one, they didn't have to because for the most part, the, the, the people doing the action sequences and maybe their stunt doubles to an extent too, 
were all really good, so they didn't have to hide it by doing quick shots and right. changing scenes and stuff like that. So I appreciated that aspect of it. Uh, there was some night stuff, for sure, and you're not going to have, you know, lights anywhere, obviously, so it's just torches. And I didn't have a problem seeing what was on screen during the night shots. So there was a lot of things that actually actually were presented really well. Oh, yeah. I agree. That's that's always one of the first things. So you lose points as soon as you get shaky cam. There's no shaky cam. Excellent. Good. Could I see at night? Yes, I could see at night. Could you keep track of the action? Yes, absolutely. Um, the staging was done quite well. Now, was the fighting accurate to the way that they would have fought in most instances from what I from what I understand yes there were a few flourishes that no <laughs> I, I'm sorry but uh, I don't think the Comanche knew jujitsu uh, <laughs> there were a couple of it's like no no that that would not and that's not that doesn't track uh, or I'm going to do the bit where I slide along the ground underneath the legs no grounds that even. The, nobody would use that move. Just okay, but I'll get past it because you know cinematically it looked really cool. <laughs> so I I imagine that there there had to be some type of hand to hand combat taught from the time that you were growing up, and that probably pertained to grappling and throwing, right? Not punching and kicking. Yeah, uh, the grap sure, uh, grappling and throwing, but not joint locks. That's that's where mm. the jujitsu combat well, you comes from. So judo, okay, there's going to be some some crossover there, but no, the way that they grab the necks, the way that they grab the limbs, no, no, uh uh Maybe, may maybe they did. Who knows? I'm I'm not seeing it. I'm not buying it. And that they had a teacher. You know, they were in the. They were in the, what, uh, north, north, northwest. What, what Vancouver, something like that. Uh, where did they say this? This wasn't the Pacific Northwest, was it? I don't remember. I thought it was the plains, the like the northern plains. It might have been, but so maybe somebody from China came to you know, north, <laughs> the the north Pacific Northwest, and then traveled and taught them along the way as he traveled throughout. The country. They were looking for their father. Uh, <laughs> yes. No. I Very much so. I'm, I'm not feeling now that that could just be my ignorance, uh, and I, it probably is just my ignorance of what were the actual fighting styles that the tribes would use. It's possible this is completely accurate. I don't think so. I'm usually pretty familiar with most of the stuff, and I, it's not ringing a bell. I may not know a lot of the cultural context, but I love fighting styles, and I've never heard anything about a joints-focusing fighting style from any Native American tribe. Just just never heard of it. Maybe, um, maybe this is your introduction into that. Uh, but as far as how it was presented in the cinematography, it was slick. Um, also the same in terms of a hatchet that you would throw at rabbits. Mm -hmm. um, most likely not going to happen. T attaching a rope to it. 
so that you could sling it around and then retrieve it without with little to no training. Probably not going to happen. Um, but it looked cool. But it looked cool. So plausibility low. Um, cinematography and presentation high. <laughs> there we go. So I mean, yeah. All in all, uh, that for me out of fifteen points, that's a thirteen out of fifteen. Um, I did the same thing. Thirteen. The minds, uh, uh, great minds, or at least. Well, I guess you could really say great minds, mediocre minds, low-level minds, think alike. Eh, what, whatever we are, we're on the same level, thinking the same basic way. Um, all right, so now the, the actual meets, the nitty-gritty, the plot and the writing. Um, for me, in a nutshell, the best way I can describe it is predictable but entertaining. I'll go with that. Um, plausible. Well, as plausible as aliens can be. In, in, in plausible in a certain context with things in that same context that are not plausible, right? Right. That's, that, that doesn't make sense, but I think as we talk about it, it'll make more sense. Right. Um, because there are a lot of things in this movie that we can nitpick and we can easily like take. This is a 20-point category. Well, there's a point because that didn't make sense, and there's a point because like we could get that like legitimately we could get this down to 10. But there's there's other aspects of it in my estimation that just give it in this category extra points absolutely to, to bump it back up. So there's a lot of nitpicking, but there's a lot of solid points in this movie. Well, and you were talking about how the 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 society is the Comanche group is portrayed and how the individuals are shown in very brief scenes to to show their their purpose in in the group that was done extraordinarily well yeah it's it's a family it's a greater it's a greater family and everybody is there as a important part of that family so let's let's think about certain aspects of this you can't go to the grocery store right if you are going to feed this family there are a certain amount of people who are qualified to do something to contribute and feed the family. So those people either have to do hunting or they have to do foraging. Or if they can't do those, they have to prep the things that were hunted for or foraged for. <laughs> Every right? time we send you out into the forest, you get lost. Stay in the camp. <laughs> we're going to give you grinding chores. Exactly. Um, I, I mentioned this. The old I I assume the person was an older member of the community because we didn't see anything but uh, legs. Yeah. But the role for that person was to wake everybody up. So they walked around and they kicked the people to wake them up. Like that was, I guarantee you that was a legitimate role in that society. You know her role uh, because she this was part of the plot. She was just the daughter. She was the girl. Uh, of the healer too mm -hmm. so her role in that was to go forage for things uh for uh the healing purposes right the right. medicines the 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 whatever to make things help people heal help people feel better or, or whatever it is like and, the magic orange flower exactly she's oh pete you you could see an important plot developing here early on in the movie with her knowledge of medicines but of course she had the fire to be a hunter just like her older brother 
So she secretly left her foraging to go and throw her axe or <laughs> hatchet. Um, so in terms of how that works in that society, plausible, I imagine, because she has a responsibility. And if she had fulfilled that responsibility and had time, I'm sure she could have done that. It just depends on, you know, in that culture, if she had the the power, the... To change her station. Yeah. I, I just don't know how that culture works, so I yeah. couldn't tell you one way or the other. But in this context, I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, at least in terms of story, it, it, it was nice. Um, and, you know, it's it's meant to speak not only to the original, it's supposed to have kind of reflections and current society and all that sort of stuff. And it was done in a way so as not to be overhanded. Just look at this. This is an analogy. This is a metaphor. No, it was just, it was just nice. We weren't force fed the message. Yeah. We were delivered it in an important part of the context of this. Now, the other thought about this, we were not star Wars, the message. Yes. (laughs) Here is this. Oh, she's a peep. Now, one of one of the things that I notice on here, so she's like, I'm going to go save my family because this bad thing's out there. And so she just, like, grabs uh, a few things. She grabs her hatchet, Rex. Trusty dog. And the dog, and she's out. Well, part of that is, in terms of me looking at this, in not in terms of the plot, but in, like, the plausibility of this, she has grown up her whole life fending for herself. She could hunt. She could forage. She could yeah. build fires. She could do all those types of things. And if you're like, well, that couldn't happen. Well, could you go out right now like, and go out and like, I'm just going to go grab a bag of a few things and then I'm going to go to the woods for a week and I'm going to live. Most folks could say, no, I can't do that at all. But this was part like from the time she grew up, her brother, her other family members, they all taught her how to survive. So I, I, I appreciated that aspect of it. We're like, yeah, I can do this. That's no, that's no big deal. And then that's, of course, when she's like, I really need to hunt for my rabbit. And she throws the hatchet and she's like, gosh darn it, I missed it. How can I make this faster? <laughs> well, one, she knew how to craft a rope. That's, that part's fine. That part's fine. But then the fact that she made it into like a retractable hatchet and was instantly trained on it. Yeah, that's not. No. No. Looked cool. Looked cool. And also that that weapon is clearly based on another weapon that was not uh, of that region. And it always came down to, okay, so she got she got caught. But she's like, I got to go get this weapon now. It had sentimental value. I get it. Right. But it, I feel like a lot of her attention went to that when it was not with her. Like, I got to go get this. This is my, this is how I will fight and live and survive. It's like her safety blanket. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, nitpicking, of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I want to come back to the the, the orange flower. Mm. Gee, uh, so this is one of a handful. Now, I need to make this clear. The overall plot was good. Like I said, uh, this is this this is all nitpicking, and you know, yes, I knew exactly who was going to die, who was going to live. I knew exactly how they were going to die because the uh, uh, 
Dan was very clear <laughs> in his in his writing that it was it was like writing 101. If you see this happen, you know exactly what that means. If you see this happen, yes, no, there were no surprises. If you've ever watched a movie ever, foreshadowing is strong in this one, right? But so the foreshadowing for this, you know, we already know the predator is going to be able to see heat, so we can't just do another Arnold. Arnold, because, well, he was bare-chested, and they're not going to go bare-chested uh, in this instance covered in mud again. So they're, they're not going to do the same thing. So how are they going to do it? Oh, well, this medicine, this cools the blood. What? Yeah. No. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, it's there. They're, mm. <laughs> when the... When the one dude got blasted at the at the beginning, and you know the the brother stood up for her, wanted her to come because right. she knew she could help. She had the she had the orange flower. Right. Trust me, it cool it, it cools the blood. This is how he's going to survive. Do, do you, you want, want him to be comfortable, or do you want him to live? Exactly. Come with me if you want to live. You know, it's that's fine. That part was fine, but no, there is no flower that does that. Uh, there are flowers that have all sorts of medicinal purposes, but when you look at the actual physics, are you going to lower body temperature enough to change the thermal register? No. To to a dead person. No. And every time they that she delivered that medicine to these people, you know, one had a leg cut off, the other one was, you know, like I said, blasted at the beginning. They had like their their arms kind of grasp, grasp their chest. It's so like, cold. You know, like they were like incapacitated. She pops that stuff like, I'm, I'm ready fine. to kill, you know. And I, it was in like one second. It's in their mouth, immediate effect. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, come on. It was uh, it was actually top secretly a tincture that she had made and she put it underneath <laughs> their tongue and right into the blood. There that was go. that was just terrible. Or the the really obvious is like I'm going to find this. Oh, I'm in quicksand, huh? I wonder if this will become important later in the plot. <laughs> it, and and the fact that she now she was smart. She was observant, right? She knew that if if she was not aggressive, that uh, it wouldn't hunt her down. She knew by seeing other people get killed by the laser beam, how the thing worked. So right. she she watched and she learned. That That's was cool. Yeah. Um, but she just stands there and she's she leaves the bait out, right? So she just stands there. And now I'm going to blast him in the back of the head with this gun because he can't see me. Uh, convenient. Yeah. Convenient. Um, but, of course, it didn't do anything to the Predator. Not much. Um I would imagine a musket ball to the back of the head, even to some creature like that, would do more damage. But, yeah, you know, that's... all all it did was knock his helmet off from the inside, but he was basically fine. Yes. Um, really? Okay. Pred- uh, Predator's pretty resilient. If you yeah, notice, I in guess this. in the previous movies they were like that too. Yeah. But that, man, that seems like almost a killing blow right there. And it it had been. Stabbed multiple times, shot a few times, had an arm cut off. They still have a brain. Where'd that bullet go? It had to have gone through the brain. And unless they're where their head peak, there's like a, the thing that 
extends backwards where some hair is at and whatever, and it just went through that enough to knock the mask maybe, off. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I did. I did particularly like the bit where the one guy had the musket and aimed it right at his head, and then it ricocheted, <laughs> and he shot himself. That was quite. Nice. That was pretty funny. <laughs> um, overall, when we said the plot overall was good, um, I, I appreciated the fact in this one that the focus was actually on the hunt. Right. In, in terms of you know the first predator, it's like. It's an army group, and we got to go take out the bad guys. And then, as we've taken out the bad guys, something happens. Like that's, and that was fine, totally fine. Yeah, that was fun. But that kind of delivered on other things. Like there was always some aspect of it that the predators were involved, but that wasn't the main driving thing of that particular movie. But this one was it is a predator. And they're hunting us. What are we gonna do? You know, like so there was there was more of that point forward where it really was a focus on the earth is the predator's hunting ground for sport, and this predator is here for sport. And you saw it progress, right? So it caught a snake and it caught a fox and it, you know, like it killed a bear, like all these things, and then like, oh wait, there's what are these other things? Humans. Okay, cool. They seem a little bit more feisty. And we, we talked a little bit before the episode about the inconsistency of the weapons that the, the Predator had. Because it seems like in, with the exception of the first two films, the, the Predators always seem to be equipped with different levels of technology. Now, some of that could be attributed to time. But if they're already a space-faring race, the difference between the 1700s and the 1900s, not going to be that great. No. And so they give no reason within the films, at least the ones that I've seen, as to why they have different weapons. Now, there are other stories, comics and stuff, that I've seen that, that do go into that more. And it would just it would have been nice to kind of give an explanation to the audience that if you've seen the original Predator and you've seen some of these others, like, why does this guy not have the same armament as everybody else? Give them that explanation. And if you think it's a time frame aspect, like you said, that's not it. Uh, if you look at the what, Aliens versus Predator, the first one where they are in the Arctic, mm -hmm. there's a temple that's there, right? And arguably that temple is older than 300 years old. Yes. And it already had the laser plasma cannons in it. You had to do certain things and then they popped up and you got them. So that... If we're if we're saying all the movies are same universe, the same universe, then those weapons already existed. So why did this one not have that? But he also didn't have the full armor that you've seen from all these other ones. And it's got to be either a status standpoint or it's got to be a training standpoint or it's yeah. got to be you're not good enough yet. You have to earn these things. Right. So so basically that's got to be what is being implied here because, you know, you know, she's trying to, to prove herself. Uh, Nehru is trying to prove herself. Well, so is this predator who's going to prove themselves. Or is it, they purposely came without those just not to prove themselves, but like, this is a weekend hunting trip that I'm going to go on. Make it fair. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, 
are there's there's bow hunting and there's shotgun and there's rifle season so maybe this is just like bow hunting season for them <laughs> right but we don't know we don't we don't get any of that aspect of it you're not allowed you don't need to call the humans numbers yet <laughs> take a step back uh but you know with that all being said it's still a solid it's still a solid plot even with all the little little problems here and there um the dialogue was pretty solid all throughout. And like I said, it's a solid story, even if it has some issues. To me, that's uh, that's a 15 out of 20. I also gave it 15 out of 20. It's a, it's a refreshing story, regardless of if you know the Predator world or not. So you get sci-fi, kind of. You get history, kind of. You get action, for sure. Uh, all based on characters that are kind of already existing in a certain sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is the point at which we can add any special bonus points to improve or uh, reduce the the total score. I have none, personally, for this film, but I believe Richard has a bonus point to apply. One bonus point. Now, I had to, at the end, the end part of the movie where she is given the gun, to the, the the pistol, the musket to use um, and trained how to use it or described how to use that train. Anyway, at, at the end, you take a closer look at it and it's got a name scribed on it. And I was like, why? Wh- what's the significance? Like there, there's something to it. And I had to think about it a little bit. So I did a little little research and it's the same name on the musket that was given at the very end of Predator 2. Hey, look at that. Some continuity. I thought that was a little nice little touch to throw in. And there was a, there was a couple one-liners in there that matched previous iterations as well in some right. form or fashion. So they they definitely gave their nods to the predecessors in terms of movies. So for that, a bonus point. Of course, now I really want to know how did they get the gun? Yeah, like where did it come from? Yeah. So, but you they know They killed her. Pray too. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to, I don't want to see her die. She's a cool character. Um, so for all of that, for me, that uh, gives a score of seventy eight. For Richard, it gives a score of eighty one. That's uh, a solid uh, C plus B minus range. Pretty pretty good for for something that you as a consumer have the potential to watch for free the instant that it comes out yeah. with low budget and 4K and no commercials. So if you have the opportunity and you like the Predator stuff, even the slightest bit, go for this one. Absolutely. Yes, that's a, a fun watch. Is it worth a rewatch? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, yeah, solid all around. But we want to know what you have to say. Uh, we didn't go over where you can get us on social media, but you know us by now. You can find us. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on all of those social media outlets where people don't dance normally. That's <laughs> true. No dancing. But always, always let us know. You can even email us on the website. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to see what everybody thinks about this film. I really want to see the reactions that people have uh, throughout there. It, it it should be interesting. I'm hoping maybe they can kind of continue on. And uh, go on this upward upward trend of getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Now, next week, uh, we will be 
potentially having a special guest. I am not going to jinx it, though, because I I thought it was done and there's been some scheduling conflicts here and there that have made it a little more difficult. But I'm if everything goes well, um, it's going to be really good. And then we'll announce that as normal uh, on Monday on Twitter and Instagram and all that. But, uh, yeah, until then... Uh, Keep keep watching. Keep li- well watching. Keep listening. Watch watch the uh, screen uh, <laughs> where the audio is. Watch the out. movies that we've talked about. That's, that's right. Uh, but uh, be ready because we got some good stuff coming. 